Welcome to True Pace Podcast. Welcome. Um, welcome. Welcome. Bill, it's good to have you back. Thank you. Did Thank you go you. fishing this week? I did twice. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's so interesting. I paid a lot of money for a guide. <laughs> Caught uh, one fish. Oh, man. Wow, poor guy. I felt so more sorry for him that I did my money. I he'd give you some money back. But we, I mean, we had a really good time. It's you, Bruce. You like the guide, though. Oh, yeah. Bruce, okay. that part of the world that you grew up in yeah. is unbelievably beautiful. Yeah. Down near, near Sisters, where we were. It's like, oh my gosh. Which river were you on? Uh, we were on the... The one what, without right? any fish. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one's a different... That was the second time. Were you on the Metolius? Yeah, Polius, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, we okay. fished on a place called the uh, Crooker or oh, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. It wasn't very good, but I had a good time with the guy. The second day, I fished on the Metolius, and uh, it's very, very fast. A lot of technique involved. Wow. I left a lot of line and hooks and trees. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. on both sides. Yeah. It is but a when, fast but, river. But when it. you get one, mm-hmm. you've got a fish. That was fun. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Is that where you got your fish out of I the Metolias? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, nice fish. They're called uh, red bands. They're wow. they're a rainbow trout with a red band on the side, okay. unique to that part of the country. Huh. Gosh, that was a great time. That's where I caught my first fish. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, did I ever tell you I caught my first fish in the Metolius River? That's a good story. I oh, think man. so. Tell yeah. us quickly. What oh, was that about? Oh, it was, oh, I, uh, yeah, I got to tell you. I was like five or six years old, and I was separated from my fishing rod. And uh, Oh, I do remember. I, I'm, I'm sitting the by the bank, <laughs> and there's this little eddy, and I see this fish in there, and all I've got is my tackle box, so I pull my hammer out, and I, I shocked him <laughs> on the head, and I grabbed him right out of the water. That's my first fish. So I, I wasn't really a fly fisherman at that point. You know, I was a hammer fisherman. Bruce, you have no idea how hard that is what you did. Yeah, yeah. How I, hard it is yeah. to catch a fish with your bare hands yeah. or a hammer. Well, he was stunned. He was, you know, I hit him on the head. So I'm sure that i He I'll, didn't know who he was dealing with. I'll no. probably hear from some environmentalist about that. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, we'll have to be careful. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, that was before the environmentalists really uh, that's took true. hold. So. How did I know? I yeah. don't know. Your yeah. grandfather did. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are in one powerful passage today, the end of Ephesians 3. This is crazy, packed full of stuff. Yeah, we can start in verse 14. I'm going to read out of the ESV if you want to follow along. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory... He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Amen. Amen. Amazing. Now, this is a very pivotal piece of Ephesians because yes. when we start into Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, we will start getting into some directives. But if we don't have 1 through 3, right. we, don't, we don't know how Amen. or what to do with those Amen. directives. Amen. Talk about that, Bill. Well, it's a pattern of Paul when he writes 
um, he writes to what we would call declarative truth. This is all declarative truth. These are amazing truths about God, about Jesus and our relationship with him. And, and then he, he always has a section. Ephesians just happens to be a book that's divided perfectly, three chapters on declarative truth and then three chapters on practical truth. The application of the declarative truth. Hmm. Now that, yeah. if you don't get the declarative truth right, you'll always get the applications wrong. That's, that's what's so important in all of his teaching. Like in Romans, he has declarative truth from 3, 4, 5, all the way to 6.13. All declarative truth. And then at 6.13, he begins the application truth. And, and how do we get it wrong when we do? Uh, when, when how we get that? it wrong is that if we don't believe the things that God declares are true about himself and us, then when we go to practice the truths, we will practice them from a foundation that is not true. Mm-hmm. In other words, I will not have the right view of me, mm-hmm. or I will not have the right view of God. And if I don't have the right view of me and the right view of God, my application of the scriptures will be amiss. It has to be. Well, he's doing something here. He's saying, catch this right view of God, <laughs> catch this right view of you, because when we go into the application, make sure you know who you are. Make sure you know who God really is. Yeah. It's back to one of our foundational principles to please or trust God. Mm-hmm. What does God really want me to do? Right. What's right. the heart of God? He wants me to trust him. But, man, if I don't know that, I don't believe that, and I'm kind of thinking i got to find favor with this God, yeah. then I'm going to do everything I can to please him. That's what will make the application wrong. And that's one of the reasons we talk about motive so often is first we've got to understand God's motive for why did he redeem us? Why does he want relationship and and then if we can start to believe that, then our motive can start to align with what he wants for us, Amen. as opposed to impressing yeah. him. Or... Amen, David. That's a powerful insight, Bruce, yeah. for all of us. Yeah. It, it's, it really is. It, all the how-to books miss it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they all miss it. Just, yeah. They it, just miss it. It's more of a, because of all he did, now you go do. Yeah, right. Right. Somehow missing that. What he did, the motivation for it is why we do and get to do. And That's be- right. Because of who we are. Yeah. So he says in this portion, uh, I teasingly said to you guys before we started, it's, this is a portion full of the provision of God's grace for us. But for many Christians, because it doesn't have the word grace in it, right. it must be about something else. Right. It's not about something else. Yeah. He says that he might grant that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's all a miracle of grace. And uh-huh. he just got through saying it in verse 8, that <laughs> this grace was given to me to proclaim the unfathomable riches of Christ. And there they so are. So now he's going to proclaim them. The Holy Spirit of God is the source of power because he dwells in me. Because of who I am in Christ. It's that whole lesson we teach. Do we really believe we're holy and righteous? Mm. If we don't, we'll never get this verse. Because the Holy Spirit is the means to our life, mm-hmm. but he's also the provision for our life. Right. He's the source of my power. I, I, every time I say that, I, I have all of these realities in our years of ministry where all these people keep trying to power up Keep trying right. to power up, just kind of talking themselves into it. And no, no, the source of it, by God's grace, is the Holy Spirit. That's right. Yeah, speaking of the Holy Spirit, I've always 
well, maybe not always, but lately I have loved where it says, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. It's not, it's not academic. It's nothing you can talk no. yourself into. Right. It's the Holy Spirit who's going to reveal something that is beyond what we can possibly fathom in our brain. That's and right. That's right. I, 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 since I can't fathom it, it tells me right here, I believe it. I like that mystery, that power, that there's always something more than what I could ever conceive of. Mm. And it's good. David, he plays with two words there. Mm-hmm. He plays with uh, to know and to not, and the word knowledge. Because he plays uh, to know the love of Christ. What he's talking about there is experience. Mm-hmm. Because of God's grace, I can experience the love of Christ. And it surpasses what I understand, yeah. my ability to know. So, so, so many people study this book. I'm holding it in my hand so they can know it. That's not God's will. Well, he doesn't want me to know it. He wants me to believe it. Yeah, to experience it. To experience That's it. That's it. To know. So the miracle of God's grace, I, I can't read this portion without going back to John 13. But mm. the love of yeah. Jesus is something I can experience. Crazy powerful. Crazy wonderful. It's not something I need to know. Yeah. Why don't you uh, go ahead and give us that bullet list of those things that have happened because of God's grace that are just packed into this one short paragraph. Well, I've already said about the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Um, Lots of audience will ask them, where is he? He's in my heart. Do you believe that? Hmm. Do you really believe that Jesus is in your heart? If you do, it's because he's there. And then he says that we're being rooted and grounded in love. I love what he's doing here. He's giving us the priority of grace. He's saying this, you're rooted and grounded in love. It's so interesting. There's no question here of my sin anywhere in this portion. No question here of my flesh. He's talking about the reality of my person. Because I am righteous, because I am holy, Love dwells in me as the evidence of God's grace. Wow. And then he says that we would comprehend with the saints. In other words, he's given us an ability by his grace to get in touch with the realities of God. I can know the realities of God. Whoa, whoa, that sounds mystical. It is. It is. It is mystical. But that's just with the saints. (laughs) <laughs> which is all the saints. Exactly. Yeah. It's all the saints. Yeah, that's funny, Bruce. Yeah, those seven people so far who have been saints in history. And then he says, as we said, David said, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and that you would be filled with the fullness of God. That goes back to John 17. Incomprehensible is this truth. God, the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus Christ and God the Father dwell in me fully because of his grace. I say, we say, part of our lessons on grace is this. I desperately need the cross of Jesus Christ to have a relationship with God. And God desperately needs the cross of Jesus Christ to have a relationship with me. Boy, that's a powerful truth of grace. And when that happens... He is able, again, by his power to do everything beyond all that we ask or think or imagine. Yeah. Uh Incredible. And that's the destiny for each of us who have experienced this grace. 
That's a powerful, powerful passage. It's a great little passage. It sure is. Well, we'll see you next week at True Faced Podcast.